morning, everyone. Let's stand and start worship together this morning.
guys say hallelujah with me? Hallelujah. Yeah, I love that. Turn and say good morning to someone next to you. So nice to see so many people here this morning. Morning, Peter. <laughs> morning, Harry. Let's continue to worship together this morning. We have a lot to be wonderfully amazed about with our Lord.
those lyrics in there are pretty amazing. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. We have a firm foundation in him just because of his love alone. That's just one, just one thing. And I will not be shaken. Have you ever been shaken? Has your world been rocked? Yeah? <laughs> I hear some amens out there. My world's been rocked before. And he always reminds me, Lori, have I not been faithful to you in the past? Have I not come through? Uh, during our devotional this week on worship team, we talked about faithfulness and how when we're going through those times where we're shaken and we're rocked to the core, how do we get back to where we know he's faithful? And one of the things that I do that God just kind of led me to do is to write down my prayers in my Bible. And this last week I was going through my Bible looking through some scripture and ran across a prayer from 2016 that he answered. And it was awesome. It was not how I expected it. It was better. It wasn't necessarily what I wanted, but it was still good because he's good. But it reminded me, he doesn't forget my prayers. He catches every tear. And he catches all of yours. And it's awesome to be reminded of that. So I encourage you to write those things down so that when you are in the midst of that storm, you can look through and go, no, he was faithful here. Oh, and look what he did here. Oh, and I remember this. He was faithful here. I don't have anything to worry about because he tells us what? Not to worry and not to fear, right? And those things remind us. So it's so neat when we can look back and see how wonderful he is and how he does answer. It's just in his timing and my timing, my clock's a lot different than his sometimes. Is yours? Please tell me it is. <laughs> okay. He's a faithful and wonderful father. We have lots of reasons to believe him. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship his holy name, sing like never before, O oh my soul, I'll worship your your song again whatever may pass and whatever lies before me let me be singing when the evening comes
Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he Yeah. 
Thank you, Jesus. Oh, he's amazing. I wanted to read this to you real quick. It's only a sentence, but it sure struck me this week. Listen to this. The mercy of God sustains you. This was told to people that don't believe him, don't like him. Actually, they use the word hate. And they said this, the mercy of God sustains you even when you hate him. Just think of that. His mercy sustains us even when we're angry. We don't agree with him. He hurt our feelings because he didn't give us the answer we wanted. He still sustains us. That's how much he loves us. That's pretty powerful. And he's always there, and he loves you the same way as he loves your neighbor that's sitting next to you right now or the person down the street. That's pretty awesome that we have a God that doesn't play favorites. But I'm his girl. <laughs> and so are you. You're his boy and his girl. So that's pretty exciting to know he loves us that much. Every time I try to make it on my own Every time I try to stand it start to fall And all those lonely notes that I have traveled on There was Jesus when the life I built came crashing to the ground When the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now There was Jesus In the waiting, in the search, in the healing Blessing buried in broken pieces. Every minute, every moment, where I've been, where I'm going, even when I didn't know it, I couldn't see it. There was Jesus. For this man who needs amazing kind of. At a price I couldn't pay I'm not perfect so I thank God every day There was Jesus There was Jesus In the way, in the search, in the healing and the hurt Like a blessing buried in the broken pieces Of the earth. There was Jesus in the fire. 
this day. We thank you, God, for your love and for your strength and for your grace. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to worship, Lord, in song, to give our hearts up in praise. And we thank you, God, that we can have a confident assurance, Lord, that you are making a way, even when there seems to be no way. Today, we we ask, God, that you will speak to our hearts as we open them to your word. We ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will come upon us in the strength and with power. And I pray, God, that not one of us will leave here without being changed, Lord, by you. I pray, Lord, you help us each day to be more like you. And I pray, God, today as we uh, come to you with needs or maybe with brokenness or with hurts or with praise or with joy, with thankfulness, God, that you will meet us right now, wherever that is, and that you will supply. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And together we say, amen. Morning, church family. How are you doing today? It's good to see you. Hey, I'd like to take a moment, first off, to just to lift up some families that aren't with us here today. Just uh, have them in your hearts and prayers. Uh, John Bartlett family, the, the uh, Bill Brown and the Bill Colson family. Just all those that aren't here today, just keep them in your hearts. Remember them. If you can, just call out. Let them know you love them, that you're thinking about them, that we do care. Uh, I want to give you a report about our quizzing team this weekend. Uh, they were at the national competitions, whole country. It was via Zoom, unfortunately, but uh, it was tough. It was, it was, we were blown away by the level of knowledge that these young people had. So out of 29 teams at the national level, our team scored ninth place. So that's pretty good, right? That's awesome. So their, their district meet is this coming Saturday, and I can tell you they dominate that one every time. Uh, so we'll be watching that this on Saturday morning here at 9 o'clock again. Uh, just cheer them on. It was great. Um, so it was wonderful to see. Uh, some other things. Uh, if you're new here or if you're only fairly new but you've yet to receive a welcome bag, if you'd like to just raise your hand, our uh, ushers will bring you a welcome bag. Um, the other thing is, I, I don't know if you've noticed today, we're trying to move the main entrance to the side door over here just because of the ice and stuff out there in the front. So you're still welcome to drive up and drop off, but just for safety reasons, we ask for right now, you use the side doors, you're walking up, uh, just uh, take care of yourself and be safe. And one more thing is we're looking at moving our discipleship class that we have on Saturday mornings. It's uh, a men's group, but we're looking to expand it to co-ed and looking at several nights during the week. Uh, so just raise your hand if you're interested, if you'd like to do it on a Tuesday night. Anybody? Okay. Wednesday night? Anyone? And on a Friday night. Okay, so Tuesday night. Got it. So, yeah, if you'd like, we'll be doing that on Tuesday nights. It's a discipleship group. We do men and women. Um, you know, we'll come in, worship together, and we'll break out into separate groups for uh, the specific questions and whatnot that we'll ask. Uh, so that's another thing that we're doing. And then if I could now, just ushers, if you'd come on up. So the way this is going to work, I don't know if you guys noticed it last week, but uh, in light of COVID, what's going to happen is they're going to line up on the, uh, the end there, and they'll just walk through, they'll hold on to it, the plate, and you just put your offering in. But uh, we're just going to take a moment to pray. All right. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to continue worshiping you 
in our offerings and our tithes, Lord, for just the blessings that you poured out on our lives. And we ask that you take this and magnify it for your glory to be used for your will, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. thank you for your worship and tithes and offerings today and for those of you who are following us online this morning we are thankful that you are with us also um, there is many ways to give and you can also give online at our website well this morning uh, before I ask the kids to come up I want us to kind of just set the tone um, our kids are so important to our church body. As a matter of fact, some people say they're the church of tomorrow. I believe actually they're the church of today. They're the church with us. They're not a church that's coming later. Right now, we invest in our kids, and we thank, we're thankful for uh, our children's minister, uh, Mackenzie, for all that she does with our kids. Yes. And so... Uh, but here's kind of why the kids are so important to us. It's because kids are important to Jesus. And we read in Luke chapter 18, verse 15, it says, One day some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. And, and when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. <laughs> then Jesus called for the children and, and said to the disciples, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I just want adults for you to think about that for a moment. The kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. With that, I'd like to ask our kids to come up with me this morning. Just come on up to the stage. And uh, there are kids here, right? <laughs> Maybe it's just going to be me and you. <laughs> you can come right here and sit right here with me. All right. Oh, here comes some more. That's great. You guys look so pretty. So you can kind of sit down. Anyone else? Okay, that's it. It's just going to be us. You guys can hear. I'll, I'll move over here so we can just kind of look at each other. I want to ask you some questions. So you can just pretend that just, it's just me and you. Don't even look at these people out here. I try not to. Okay? If you could be anything you want to be, and you, if you could do anything you want to do, oh, there's another one. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for coming. <laughs> If you guys could be anything you want to be, if you could do anything you want to do, what would that be? Just anything. It, anything's possible. Kitty. What's that? Kitty. You would want to be a kitty? Oh, man. What about you? I want to be a bird. You want to be a bird? So you'd like to fly? That would be awesome. What, what about you? Any, if you could, I just want to be happy. You just want to be happy. Hey, I like to be happy with what you are. That's great. Very good. Man, I, I think about things, and, and you imagine years and years ago, there were two brothers that imagined they could do, they just kind of just had this wandering mind, and they're like, I would like to fly, kind of like you. 
And these two brothers, they were called the Wright brothers, and they said, you know, I, I think we can do this. And they put their, they were just bicycle mechanics. And they put their mind to it, and they figured out a way to fly. But they did that in their own strength. Imagine what we can do when God gives us a dream. So do you guys know what faith is? Any, any ideas of what faith is? You, you have yeah, trusting and believing in God, even though it's, that's awesome. Yeah, Hebrews 11, it, it tells us just like what you said. It says, you know, it says hope in things we don't see. Yet. It's this assurance of things that have not yet come. And so we're, we, so faith is, you know what? When God says that we can do, oh, we got more kids coming? Oh, no, I don't know that they're, but thanks for checking them. Yeah, you can wave, wave them in. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so faith is this it's, it's, it's us saying you know what God I don't know how you're going to do this in me but I believe you can do it do you know that Jesus said and, and he said if we had faith the size of a mustard seed you know what the size of a, or a mustard seed is welcome What's really small yeah I mean I don't know if you guys and your kids that is good job. If you have faith the size of a, ma- a mustard seed, you can move mountains. That's exactly right. And, and so I think to myself that when I'm thinking about you guys, that when you were in your mom's belly, the Bible says that God was giving you, forming you and giving you a dream, a plan and a purpose. And I believe that if we just have the faith of a mustard seed, that God can do that in and through us. But here's an amazing thing about God's dreams. Do you know how you can tell God's dreams are that are, they're different than just our dreams? Any ideas? Yeah, it's, it's hard to understand. Yeah, and he's a big kid, I know. But if he can't understand, none of us can, right? <laughs> well, here's the thing. With God's dreams, it not, it always, when God gives us a dream, it always helps others even more than it helps us. And when God gives us a dream, when that dream comes to be reality, people always thank God because they, it's a God-sized dream. And sometimes when people see you as kids, they might think, well, you might say to them, I have a dream that I believe God's given me, and you're just a little kid. Nobody, that's a really big dream for a little kid. Don't let anybody look down on you for the big dreams that God gives you. God, it, only God dreams when they're God-sized dreams. So I want you guys, as you go back to sit with your family today, to pick up uh, a little pamphlet from Miss McKenzie. And inside of that, it's going to have a mustard seed. And while you go back there to sit with your families, I want you to ask God, God, as you're looking at that mustard seed, God, what is your dream for me? And just let God speak to you in your heart. Will you do that for me? All right. Before you guys go, can we pray? Lord, I thank you for these kids. I thank you, God, for the dreams that you have planted in them, the good things that you have done in their life. And I pray that, God, that as you uh, grow them, that you will grow and prosper them. And I pray, God, that you will, they will discover their meaning and their purpose and their dreams in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Will you give the kids a hand? All right. Thank you. You can go ahead back and...
operate there by Ms. McKenzie. I love kids. I do not have the giftings to be a children's pastor or a teen pastor. (laughs) But I tell you what, I love the kids. Uh, They have the most unique perspectives. Um, Everything is new for them. Nothing seems impossible. And I remember when my girls were really little, life, it it was a new adventure, and every day was a new chapter. And I love that about them. I was reminded of a story that was told to me. This lady said that uh, she, her son's name was Ned, and he is around six years old, and she had opened up the family Bible, and she said it was one of those that was kind of large, and, and, uh, and in the pages, um, her, her mother, her grandmother, and others had kind of put some things that were memorable in those pages. Well, in one of the pages, um, you know, they, they had uh, just uh, uh, cards, and they had notes, and they had maybe love letters, and, and even in the front, they had all the dates of things that had happened in the lives of their family. Well, the Sunday before, Ned had been at church and they were talking about creation, how God created uh, the world and then humans and Adam and Eve. And as she was going through the Bible and she's flipping through the pages, she said, right then, one of the, uh, there's an oak leaf that someone had put in there and just kind of pressed, you know, depressed in the Bible and it had fell out. And without missing a beat, Ned said, well, I guess Adam Schwartz just fell out. <laughs> Uh, I love the laughter of our kids. I love the childlike faith. And after being around so long on planet Earth, we can become jaded, we can become skeptical. But children remind us that what we think of as impossible is not a barrier for those who believe. We, we at times can get to a place where we, we feel like, man, I... My belief, uh, what, is, what is it that I truly believe in? Are, are my foundations being shaken by where I placed my faith? And this morning, I'm going to ask you, what is the focus of your faith? What is the focus of your faith? Is it in your own knowledge or in your uh, possessions? Is it in uh, your job? Is it in your education? Where is the focus of your faith? Last night, where I was uh, just kind of doing the final prep, and I go through the service in my mind just to kind of visualize how Sunday may go. And, and in, as I'm in the midst of that, Jackie comes and she says to me, she says, Matt, funniest things happening out in the parking lot. She said, there's a sports car out there, and it is stuck in the middle of the parking lot. They can't make it go anywhere. I look out the window, and I really like Corvettes, and, and uh, I probably will never own one, but I enjoy just looking at them and dreaming. And, and this one, I could tell, it looked like a 2019 model, just before this latest model that they've come out with this past year. And it was just a sharp-looking Corvette. It had the lights that glowed all underneath of it and all around it. And, you know, it was those red glowing lights that just lets you know something awesome on four wheels is about to come your way. Well, at this time, the only thing it was making look awesome was the ice that was glowing underneath of it, you know, for just feet away around it. And, and so here they were, and they're doing their best to push that 
<laughs> Corvette up the hill. Couldn't get it. They finally got a four-wheel drive, big Ford truck that they put in front of it. They got a tow strap, and they're trying to find a place to hook onto the front of it. They couldn't find anything solid to hook on the front of it. They're afraid they're going to pull the thing apart. So they gave up on that idea, and they just throw the tow. And so four guys get on the side of it, and they just slide it on the ice to get it kind of turned in a way that they finally were able to get up the hill. I told my wife, I said, I'm sitting there watching through my big screen window at this great show. And I, I told her, I said, this is a perfect illustration of the prosperity gospel. I said, you can have the coolest car in the world, but if it's not on solid ground, you ain't going anywhere. Amen? And so I'm looking, I'm looking at this, and I'm, I just was laughing. But here's the thing, is you could have that car, I knew, I think it goes probably for around $55,000 new. You could have the coolest, the most expensive the most capable, the fastest, but if it's not grounded in God, it's worthless in the end. Matthew 17, we read these words, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And sometimes people have taken that and they've, they've used that, you know, it's the same with the verse that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can take that in directions that it was never meant to go. Here's the thing is God has given each one of you adults, not just the children, but all, also the adults, a dream, a purpose, a plan in your life. And here's the thing that you need to know that there is nothing that can thwart God's plan and purpose in your life except for you. Nothing is impossible when it comes to God's plan for your life. But you've got to make that step of faith. You've got to take that step in the right direction. I I see these words from Matthew, and, and it says, and I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move, and it will move in Jesus' name. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I have felt like as I prayed through there's mountains in my life. There's huge obstacles in my life that when I'm moving the mountain, it's one scoopful at a time. Have you ever been there? <laughs> but here's the thing. is with God. Can we just take on this childlike faith? Maybe, maybe this morning, if you can just kind of put aside all your preconceived ideas, all the things that life has beat you down with, and just for a moment try to recapture that childlike faith. That says all things are possible with God. That his dream and that his plan truly can be realized in and through me. Where is the focus of our faith? In a church Bible study, there was a man, his name is Walt, and he's an elderly man, but kind of the leader in, in this Bible study. And, and, and he was asked, would you start us up with prayer this morning? Would you just open us with prayer? And Walt was one of those guys that was just so gentle and kind of humble, and, and, but a strong man as well. Everybody kind of looked up to him. 
he began to pray, and he had this really soft voice. And he's praying, and again, in this soft voice, and there's another guy in the group that was kind of loud and boisterous, very opinionated. And finally, in the middle of the prayer, he's straining to hear, he says, I can't hear you. And Walt says to him, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> Where is the focus of your faith? Where is the focus of your faith? A few years back, Jackie and I were able to take a, a vacation and, at the kids, and, and we went to Sequoia National Park. And we were walking through, and this is kind of some footage from, uh, from Sequoia, but we're walking through this beautiful forest. And it was amazing. And I'm, I couldn't believe, I mean, the trees were so huge and so large, I thought for sure there'd be a dinosaur or something poking its head out behind one of them. I mean, it was huge. And, and so we were walking through and looking at these trees that were just mammoth size and and we got to this one it was called the general sermon and uh it's not the largest sequoia but it is one of the largest and its diameter at the base and they consider the base about five five feet from the ground is 36 and a half feet wide and i measured this morning and it's about from that screen all the way over to that screen is about 36 and a half inches wide. Imagine the base of a tree that huge. 275 feet tall. And then on top of that, they estimate that the age of the General Sherman is probably around 2,200 years old. It's just amazing. It's hard to believe. And, and one of the trees that had fell in the, in the forest, they had taken and, and cut it. And so when they cut it, you could count the rings and see how old this tree was. And at every certain, uh, certain ring, there was maybe a, a, little, a little tag that said, Civil War, a Declaration of Independence signed. And as you kind of get closer to the center. Then there was one, you know, the Great Wall of China was built right here. And then you go back a little bit further. The, the Roman Empire fell. And you go back a little bit further. And, and Jesus was walking the earth. It was amazing. And I sat there and I'm looking at these trees. And I'm thinking to myself, and not that anything about the tree in of itself was sacred, but wow, what a great God. It was this moment where I was a sacred moment where I was like, what a great God we serve. And I'm sitting and standing and, and touching something that was here even when Jesus was walking the dusty roads of Jerusalem. Well, we looked at these trees for quite some time and we're heading out and, and I picked up what I thought was the pine cone from one of the sequoias. Well, actually, it was a huge pine cone. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the rangers had just gotten hit in the head by one of them, and it hurt bad, <laughs> he said. Uh, but the big pine cones were not from the sequoias. They were from sugar pines. The ones that came from the sequoias are almost hard to see there as you look on the base of the, the forest floor. 
But uh, the ranger told me, here's, here's one here. And, uh, and I took it with me. I wanted to just have something to remember that experience by. But as I picked it up, he said, I'm going to tell you something amazing about this pine cone. Not only is it so tiny and so small, when you would expect maybe all these other pine cones to be the ones that would be going, that would go with the great sequoia. He said, but he said, the only way that the seeds fall out of this pine cone is that there must be a forest fire. And you guys can never even see it, but the seed from that pine cone is just barely fits on the tip of my finger. I mean, as far, I mean, or excuse me, just uh, barely seen on the tip of my finger. And, and here from that little tiny seed, through a fire that opens up this pine cone, uh, comes a, a great sequoia that it is wide from that screen to this screen over here. 275 feet tall. It's hard. It was hard for me to believe. And I brought into focus for me this understanding of this mustard seed. It, it would take, it takes faith for me to believe that this little seed could turn into something so large and so massive. It takes faith for me to believe that, that through a fire that that that's the only thing that can open this up to allow the seeds to fall out. It's amazing to think about. And I think when I look at our Father's world and all that he has created, how he teaches us about faith. The trees that had a bark on them that was probably about that thick, and it was very light and fibrous, but it acted as an insulation so that the fire could come through and allow that seed to fall out and to be planted in that fertile soil. And I'm reminded that there are giants within our church. There are those of you who have been through the fires of life. There are those of you who have experienced pain and have experienced heartache and you experience the hurt of this world, this sin-wrecked world. And yet... God has matured you and given you that insulation to make it through the fire and even through that to help the new ones, these, these children of ours or children in the faith to be planted. Everything has a purpose, but do we have faith that God can do what he says he will do? Abraham is a champion of faith. We hear about that in Scripture. It's in uh, the faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. And, and, and Paul talks about him also in Romans chapter 4. And Paul tells us that we are able to have a trusting relationship with God even if we feel like our faith is weak, even if we feel like our faith is just not strong enough, that our God is strong enough. And he tells us this, he says, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter when it, regarding faith? It says, if in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say about that? It says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. I just want to ask you, do you believe our God can do all things? 
Do you believe, do you have a childlike faith about our God that says, you know what, nothing is impossible for our God? It says in the Bible that he is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not against all hope. Have you ever felt like your back is up against the wall sometimes? Here it says the same thing. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as it had been said to him. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. He did not waver through unbelief, though, regarding the promise of God. He was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God has power to do what he had promised. That, my friends, is faith. Abraham is... He's, he's, you know, always presented this kind of this giant, this sequoia, so to speak, of the faith. Even in the New Testament, he is considered a model for faith. But if you know his story, you know his faith was not particularly impressive. As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 12, God comes to Abram and he tells him, would you leave your home? I'm going to tell you to leave your home and go to a place where you're going to have a son. And then God changes his name from Abram to Abraham, which means the father of many people. And here is this man who he's up in years. His wife is up in years. And he has, doesn't have any kids. And, and, and here's God saying, I want you to leave everything you know, go to another land, and there I'm going to give you a son. Could you imagine how hard it would be to believe? But God tells him he would bless the entire race through his son. In the very next episode in Abraham's life, in the very same chapter, Abraham and Sarah were traveling and they were going to Egypt. And Abraham begins to have one of those moments where he's like, what in the world are we doing? <laughs> have you been there? Well, I, I, I know, I think I heard from God, but what in the world are we doing here? And he says to Sarah, you're a beautiful woman. And I know how these Egyptians are. Someone's going to want to take you as his wife and here's going to kill me to do it so here's what we're going to do Sarah you can read it there that's a lie let's tell them that you're my sister so they won't kill me and if one of them wants you they can have you but I, I'll I'll live that's a wonderful caring husband right it doesn't seem like Abraham in that moment is really that great sequoia of faith he doesn't seem like he really believes that God is going to protect them. But they go through with Abraham's plan. He throws Sarah under the bus, and Pharaoh takes Sarah into his palace. She becomes part of his royal harem, and, and, and he gives Abraham animals, sheep, and goats, and all camels, and slaves, and all other sorts of goods from that day. But, but soon enough, Pharaoh figures out that this is not Abraham's sister. This is Abraham's wife. And that Abraham's God is unhappy with him. God revealed to Pharaoh, a pagan, someone who could not care less about following God, Jehovah God. He, he, didn't, he didn't have a relationship, but he was convicting Pharaoh over the lack of faith in Abraham. 
I want to tell you sometimes I, I, I think we have such a mighty calling as a church within our culture, within our world. And sometimes even the world looks at the church and they say, why aren't you being the church? Have you been there? Sometimes people have looked at me and said, why aren't you, why aren't you living up? Oh, I look at that and I look at this time in his life and I think, man, that God would bring conviction upon those who don't even follow him to bring conviction upon Abraham. Lord, help me uh, in that way as well. Help me to be a light and a beacon to the people around me. Pharaoh asked Abraham the same question that God asked Eve after the fall. And the writer of Genesis is being very deliberate here. Pharaoh says to Abraham, why did you do this thing? He says, what is this thing that you have done? In other words, the story reveals that Pharaoh, that again, this pagan, is concerned, more concerned, it seems, with doing right than God's man Abraham is. And not only that, Abraham does the same exact thing. You can read about it yourself again in Genesis chapter 20. After 11 years of waiting for a child, we read in the Bible that Sarah says to Abraham, we've been waiting a long time. This isn't going to happen, Abraham. Why don't you just have a child with my servant girl, Hagar? And you know, of course, Abraham is like, no, I would never do that. We have to trust in God. I have faith in God. No, absolutely not. Abraham agreed. Yeah, that's a good idea, Sarah. I think we should do that. And it was a disaster, as you all know. Thirteen years later, though, God tells Abraham that Sarah will bear him a child. And, and again, after God himself gives this promise over and over, you would think, well, maybe now Abraham would say, I believe you, God. Nope. Abraham fell on his face. He laughed and said, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? And then Sarah laughed too. And then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? What a... What an amazing question. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Does Abraham man up and admit, oh, I laughed and I, I, I was the one? Nope, he said nothing. But Sarah was afraid, so she lied and she said, I, I didn't laugh, but God confronted her. And God and Sarah go at it while Abraham's looking on from the side. His faith was weak, and he pretends that Sarah is not his wife. He pretends twice. His faith is weak, so he impregnates a servant girl. His faith is so weak that he even laughed at God. But Paul says Abraham didn't waver in his belief that he believed beyond all hope that he was fully persuaded of God's power. Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew Abraham's story backwards and forwards. So what's going on? What is Paul thinking? Because when we're looking at his life, we're not quite seeing this. We have to go back and try to enter Abraham's world. And I want you to hear this and know this, but when Abraham said yes to God, Abraham started from scratch. There was no Old Testament. You might say, well, maybe he knew the Ten Commandments. How many of the Ten Commandments did Abraham know? He knew none of them. There were no Ten Commandments. 
the story of Moses, Mount Sinai, the giving of the law, the consecration of the priests, the story of David, the Psalms, uh, the sacrifices, none of that had occurred yet. He didn't know any of the stories about the Lord God, Yahweh. He had zero information. But here's the key that we read in Scripture. Abraham went as the Lord had told him. He knew nothing. He had no, all he had was his word from the Lord, and he's trying his best to follow that word. He's trying his best to be obedient, but that's all he had, and he's thinking to himself, I just don't understand. Nothing is making sense in my life right now. He's deliberately, Abraham is deliberately not presented in the Old Testament as a brilliant spiritual genius that invented ethical monotheism. He is an average ignorant, confused, superstitious, passive, and cowardly man many times. So how is it that he made it in this faith chapter of Hebrews 11? How is it that his faith is considered to be so strong? It was because he chose to wait on God to provide him a son, and he realized only God could do that, and he was coming to this understanding that he could do nothing and only God could provide. Paul says Abraham knew his body was as good as dead. He, he was an old man. He was a, had an old wife. No pharmaceutical company could help him. He did not have, and it couldn't allow you know, any, uh, his life to be determined by what was possible due to human power. He was completely dependent on God alone. And as we read about Abraham as this, giants of the faith as we read about his life and all of this background that i'm giving you it's for this purpose for this one point sometimes when we read about him we we focus on abraham ah the faith of abraham abraham is such a strong giant of the faith but do you want to know who the real hero of the story is The hero of the story of Abraham is not Abraham. The hero is God. The hero is a God who can do anything, who can save even in the midst of all of this. It was better for Abraham to put a little faith in a big God than a big faith in a little God. And this is good news. This is why Jesus says you only need to have the faith the size of a mustard seed. Why? Because it's not about the size of your faith. It's about the size of your God. I give you all this background because sometimes we can get our focus on what it doesn't need to be on. Abraham is a wonderful man, but he's just another man of God. And here's the deal. Even in the midst of all of his screw-ups and all of his messes, God's plans and purposes and dreams were still realized through a man like Abraham. And here's the great thing about Abraham is he never gave up on God. He kept moving forward. He kept striving. He kept going after. Even when he fell down, God picked him up, dusted him off, and they kept moving together. Don't focus, church, on the size of the mustard seed. Focus on the size of your God. When the Israelites escaped from Egypt, we read the story, Pharaoh pursues them. He's in hot pursuit, and then God parts this Red Sea. 
and they're walking across on dry ground with a wall of water on their left and a wall of water on their right. Some of them probably loved it. They were just probably poking their finger maybe into the water. I don't know. Some of them were probably yelling back at Pharaoh, in your face, Pharaoh, eat your heart out. We're cruising on now. And some of them were probably more timid. Some of them probably said, I'm afraid we're going to die. These things are going to come down at any moment. But not all of them, I guarantee you, expressed the same equal faith as they crossed through the Red Sea. But here's the thing, is even though some of them were timid and some of them were bold, they were all saved. Amen? Hmm. It's not the quality, church, of your faith that saves you. It's the object of your faith that saves you. That's the good news of the gospel. That's how the thief on the cross next to Jesus, though his faith had not even matured, was still saved because Jesus was the object of his faith. And here's the thing, is I see a world around us who has faith in a lot of things, and their world is falling apart because the object of their faith is on something that is not our God. I love this quote from James Dunn. The character of Abraham's faith is determined by the character of the God in whom he believed. His hope was not in how strong his faith was. His hope is in God. He followed because he had no choice. I got to follow God. I know I can't do this. And here's the amazing thing. It's a God who called out to Abraham and brought forth new life from Abraham's old body and Sarah's old womb are pointing to a son, to Jesus, the object of our faith. It tells us in Matthew 1, this is the genealogy of Jesus. It begins right there. It says he is the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham's story was not meant to spotlight the size of his faith, church. And in your life, it is the same for you. It is not about the size of your faith. It's about the size of your God. And I know some people who talk big faith, but their God is this big. Don't focus on the size of the mustard seed. Focus on the size of God. Like you, I've had my days of hurt and of doubt and pastors like me will often hear voices that say man why aren't you any better at this or or why aren't you more like this or why aren't you doing more things over here and the crazy thing is that it may only be one voice but with satan's help it can seem to drown out all the positive and in one particular season where i was under attack for for caring, I was told, for more for the people outside of the church than I cared for the people in the church, which was not true. But I was feeling the heaviness of the attack, and it comes from Satan. And, and with that, every day, I began to walk. And I walked, and I walked, and I wondered, and I wondered. And I wondered about things like, God, why did you bring me here? You ever wonder that? <laughs> I wondered things like, man, can't you teach these people who the 99 are and who the one is? God, 
I wonder, why did you speak in parables? Why didn't you just make it clear? (laughs) I wondered if this calling and dream that God had for my life were worth it. I wondered about quitting. I wondered a lot. And then after weeks of wondering and wondering, one day out of the blue, God spoke to my heart. I mean, it wasn't audible, but it was almost audible. It was one of those moments where I just knew God had spoke to me, and I literally fell to my knees. I began to cry, and I, I just, all I heard was these, these, this tiny, this, this tiny phrase, this, this little this little bit of, of information, but it changed everything for me. And all it was was this, is I heard God say, Matt, you're a good pastor. That's all I heard. And I cried, and I came home, and I told Jackie, and Jackie's like, well, I've told you you're a good pastor. And she said, you know, other people have told you you're a good pastor. I said, I don't care about you, and I don't care about others. I don't care about any of that. I need to hear from the focus of my faith. I need to hear from God. And sometimes in our lives, the only thing that keeps us going and moving forward is hearing that word from God. Amen? And there's going to be times in your life, kids, adults, grandparents, whoever you are, that people are going to look at you and they're going to say, you're crazy for continuing down this road. You're crazy for putting your faith in God. Can't you see everything is going to pot all around you? I mean, quite literally here in Colorado, all of it is going to pot. But we still believe God. Amen? I don't care about the voices on the TV. I don't care about the voices around me. I... Let me take that back. I do care. But what matters is God's voice. Amen? The only thing that changed in my life, nothing really changed in my life. The only thing that changed in my life is that I heard a word from God. El Shaddai, the Almighty the focus of my faith, breathed a word into my heart. And when he breathed a word into my heart, it changed everything. And some of you today need to hear a word from God. You might feel like your life right now is just, it's like you're shifting, you know, just kind of like, like Abraham. I mean, you're like, you feel like, you know, you're a 70-year-old guy with a walker trying to get through the Sahara Desert, and people are looking at you like, what are you doing, Abraham? I don't know. I'm following God. <laughs> and people think you're crazy. Uh, you're just trying to muster up enough faith be good enough but today you've heard from God and you realize you know what things have been out of focus in you it's not about the size of your faith it's about the size of your God I brought with me a a dime Uh, it's the smallest of our coins and, and if you have one, you can do this with me. But, but even though it's so small, if I, if I take this dime and, and I hold it up close enough to my eye, I can't see any of you. But if I 
keep it in the right focus, I can hardly tell it's even there. <laughs> even though sometimes there's a grand horizon that spans miles that God is giving us, even though his dream is so huge and so big, sometimes I focus on the little things way too much, and it keeps me from seeing how big my God really is. Where has your focus been, church? Is it on the problem, or is your focus on the provider? Is your focus on the mess, or is your focus on the Messiah? Where is your focus? The irony in the illustration about this little dime is that on this dime, if I look close enough, it says, in God we trust. <laughs> Just like we may say with our lips, but our focus is what reveals the truth. I'd ask the worship team to come up now. And today, in the midst of this service, I wonder... I just can't help but think and believe that, that God is speaking to some of you today. And you realize many things in your life have been out of focus. It's not about the size of your faith. You've been trying to make yourself good enough to be able to come to God. You've been trying to clean up the mess yourself and make yourself presentable so that God can be seen in and through, see you. But, but that's not where the focus needs to be. It's not about your faith. It's about how God big your God is. It's not about the size of the obstacle in your path. It's about the size of your God. I don't need to say it, but I'm going to say it. We serve a big God, church. <laughs> Bigger than I can imagine anyway. Bigger than anything I can. He moves mountains. He redeems wrecks. And he's big enough to overcome the obstacles in your life and in my life. And there is no better time than right now to make him your focus today. Maybe you've been a Christian for years and you're thinking, I, I need a realignment. I don't care how good of a car you have. I mean, even that $55,000 Corvette, I guarantee you needed an alignment after last night. <laughs> you may have been a Christian for years, but you're realizing right now that you need to refocus in your life. Don't be too proud to come lay it down on the altar. Some here may have, nobody may see it. From the outside, you look like you got it all together, but you're struggling and you're at the end of your rope. People can't tell it, but on the inside, you've been crying for help. There's no better time to ask the Savior, Jesus. There's no better time to ask him into your heart than today. And so as the song is playing, and as our worship team just takes us through the song, I just want to ask you if you would just take a moment today to to just let God search your heart. The altar is open. And after they're done with the song, I'll come back up and we'll, we'll, we'll close in prayer. But would you just allow God to speak to you? And 
don't focus on where you may feel like is your lack of faith or how big the obstacle is. Focus on how big our God is. Let's stand together. Every time I tried to stand and start to fall And all those lonely roads that I have traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground When the friends I had were nowhere to be I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now. There was Jesus. In the way, in the searching, in the hidden and the hurt, like a blessing buried in broken pieces. Every minute, every moment, where I've been. There was Jesus. Mary's face and kind of grace. Forgiveness at a price I couldn't pay. I'm not perfect, so I thank God every day. There was Jesus.
It's not about our faith, church. It's about how big our God is. And so today, as we come to close, I would just ask this morning that you focus on him. Focus on our Lord. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for your blessings and for your goodness. We thank you, God, for your word that has reminded us this morning that even when we are weak, you are strong. And so today we place our confidence and our faith and our trust in you and we ask God as we walk beyond these walls that we will truly walk in the dream and the plans and the purposes that you have for us. Today I pray that you will help us to keep our shoulders back in our spirits, keep our head held high in our spirit with you, knowing, God, that we serve you who is the most incredible, amazing, beyond measure thing we could ever imagine. God, I pray that you will keep us in alignment with your hearts. And I pray, God, that you will keep our focus where it needs to be. Pray these things in Jesus' name and God's people together say, Amen. Amen. It's been so good seeing you here today. May you be dismissed in God's grace and love. And know this, if you want to talk or you have any questions about the Lord, I'll be up here. Um, Eric will be up here as well. You can speak with us. Uh, We'll be glad to see you this morning. God bless you. You're dismissed in God's love.
Cause I just wanna be Dreaming. 